0: Good, good Father. Our scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Indeed, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Word of God for us this morning. The Word of God is living and active. Nowadays, when we think of living and active, we turn the words around and call it active living and associate it with seniors. Active living has to do with what? Doing things that are healthy for you, incorporating physical activity in your life, eating well in the hopes of being able to live a better and fuller life. When we talk about active living, we really talk about what we do to live longer and and be healthier. Someone actively living is not just existing on the couch, getting up only for the absolute necessities. Somebody actively living is actually doing things on a regular basis. But when we talk about living and active, to describe the word of God, it is a different connotation. Because you see, the emphasis here is first on living. This is a word that is alive. This is a word that produces life. This is a word that is thriving and continuing to produce. It is alive in many ways. It is alive in the sense that it brings life to us by telling us what we need to know about God. It is also alive in the sense that it can dwell in us. It's a living word that can live in our hearts. But it's more than just the written word of God. We know that any time we refer to the word of God, we are reminded of John 1.1, that the word was with God and the word is God. We are reminded of Jesus as the word of God. So this is also a proclamation that Jesus is living, that Jesus is alive, that he's alive in us and through us and for us. But then there's that part of active, living and active. Active means that there is activity, that there's stuff going on, that the word of God paired up with our lives and our faith is always producing change, transformation. It's always doing something in us and for us. The Word of God is both active and living. It is not static. It does not stay still. It is always going forth, and it is always working for our good. The activity of God's Word is life-giving. Jesus gave us life, and His work it's a continuing action in our lives. This is why it's so odd when the description of God's word is paired up with the description of a double-edged sword. Because when we think of sword, we think of death and killing, don't we? We think of cutting somebody up, killing them, eliminating them. But if you notice the description, it says that the word of God is as sharp as as a double-edged sword that pierces until it divides soul from spirit, joint from marrow. It is said to be able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Have you ever tried to fillet a fish with a dull knife? It's like the worst experience. You just can't get in there. You can't get to the, to the, to the bone to be able to separate out the meat from the bone, you can't get to where you need to get because the knife just won't cut through it. And what the scripture is trying to tell us is that it is sharp, that the word of God is so sharp that it can reach those parts of us that are hard to reach, that it can cut through all the stuff that's on the way to get there and that it can make it clear to the innermost parts of our lives. The idea that it judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts tells us that it sees through all of our pretense and all the good faith that we try to put for everybody else. And it automatically gets to the core and the heart of what we're going through. This certainly isn't the only time that we have heard of God's word being a sword or being like a sword. If you remember when we talked about the armor of God in the book of Ephesians, we were told that the, the sword was the sword of the spirit, the word of God, that it was the only offensive tool in the armor. If you've read Revelations, you know that there's a description of the glorified Christ that has a sword coming out of his mouth. And there, the implication clearly is that there is judgment that comes through the word of God. But the emphasis here on Hebrews is on sharpness. The emphasis is on the ability of the Word of God to get to the core of what needs to be gotten to. The emphasis is that it reveals the most innermost parts of us and that before God, nothing is hidden. It says before God, no creature is hidden, no thought is hidden, basically no intention, no action. There is nothing that we can hide from God. But let's admit it, it doesn't stop people from trying, doesn't it? There's always somebody who thinks they can pull one on God. And it's always amazing to me because God's got to be somewhere laughing because, I mean, there's nothing that is hidden from God. He sees right through everything. But God doesn't just see right through us. He sees right into us through his word. You see the Word of God interacting with all of the stuff that is going on inside of us continues to remind us of God's truth and God's grace. Even as we look at our own frailties and our own weaknesses, the Word of God reminds us that there's redemption, there's grace, there's forgiveness. But it is an intimidating thought to think that nothing is hidden from God. That there's nothing about us that God does not know. That in front of Him, everything is hanging out. And there's nothing we can do to prevent Him from seeing it all. The words used in Scripture are laid bare and naked before God. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when we stand before the mirror, we go, oh my gosh. I gotta work on that. It's embarrassing, it's intimidating to see yourself bare and naked. Just think how intimidating it is when we look at ourselves and see all of our failings, all of our shortcomings, all of our doubts, all of our fears and concerns, our illnesses, our sickness, and our sin. And when we see ourselves in that mirror, oftentimes, We are not filled with any good feelings or thoughts. We're filled with what? Oh, my, I need a lot of help. I need a lot of God. And it is great to know that even though we feel that way, after God looks at the totality of who we are and where we are, he still loves and wants us. He still wants to redeem us and forgive us. He still wants to be in relationship with us. I mean, there are people we only know 25% of, and we don't even like them. And here God knows everything about us, and he still wants to be in relationship with us and save us and redeem us. This is where the work of Jesus Christ commends the living word of God working in us. Jesus, the Son of God, serves as our high priest. He serves as the one that goes before the Father continually on our behalf. But he does so from a very special place, from a place of understanding. You see, he has lived as we live. He knows what it means to lose a loved one. He has shed a tear He understands grief. He understands sickness. He understands hunger and thirst. He understands rejection better than most of us. And he has gone through it all. And so when he goes before the Father on our behalf, he doesn't go as one who is ignorant of our reality and our weakness. He doesn't go as one who doesn't understand. He goes to God, in a place of understanding of where we are and what we're going through. Yet he goes as one without sin, one who didn't give in to temptation, one who continued to be faithful to the end. He understands us better than we realize. Yet the author of Hebrews tells us since the beginning that even though he knows everything about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he continues to be for us and on our behalf. Jesus reminds me of my mother in the sense that it always seemed like she knew when I had done something wrong. You know, they say mothers have eyes in the back of their head. I think mine had eyes like all the way around. Because whenever I would come to her to admit that I had done something wrong, it seemed like she already knew it. But you know what? She didn't stop me from confessing. She let me go through the whole confession before she would go. Oh, I already knew that. I knew you did that. You see, it's the same way with God. God already knows what you've done. God already knows your sin. God already knows your frailty. Yet, he wants you to confess your sin so that he can forgive it, so that he can show you mercy and grace, so that he can tenderly pick you up from where you are and bring you to a better place. You know, my mother was always good about correcting me gently. She was always good about giving me advice on how to avoid getting into that same trouble again. And Jesus is the same way. Jesus is always there to give us direction in our lives. To help us to know the will of God, but also to have the willpower and the strength to be able to follow it. This is why the author of Hebrews encourages us to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Holding on to our confession that Jesus is Lord, holding on to our confession that Jesus is our strength, holding on to our confession that Jesus is our supply, holding on to our faith that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior of our lives. Come with boldness because when you come before the throne of God and the throne of grace, you come not in your righteousness but in the righteousness of Christ. You come clothed in his righteousness because Jesus knew our griefs. He died our deaths. He went to the cross so that we could have access to the throne. He loves us and he wants to help us, especially when we're in trouble. But you know, it's funny how we always wait until we're up to here in trouble before we seek the Lord. We always wait until it's crisis time before we seek the Lord. And what the author of Hebrews was saying was don't wait that long. Go ahead and approach the throne of grace. Go ahead and come before the Father, knowing that Jesus is with you and for you, and present your confession and receive redemption, and receive forgiveness. The author of Hebrews wants us to understand that through it all, God will continue to redeem and love us. Through trials, through temptations, through sickness, through whatever we are going through, Jesus is going to continue to be there for us because he is living and active. Always working for our good. In closing, when I thought about this word and I thought about how the word of God pierces to the innermost part of our soul, reveals everything about us, it made me feel like most of us would feel oh gosh, that's embarrassing. All the things that I know about myself, that you know about yourself, are disclosed before God. But then when I read the second part, and I heard about the grace of Jesus being with us as we go before the throne to present even those things to be forgiven, then I felt reassured in the grace of God that covers all of our sins. And it helped my faith because it reminds me that I am not standing there alone. I'm standing there on Jesus' shoulders. I'm standing there on His grace. I'm standing there because of His love. So let us work to continue to present our lives before God. To know that Jesus is always for us. And to know that he is active and living even today in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the access that we have to you in Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can come to the throne of grace through your mercy and your love. Thank you, Lord, for loving us despite of all of our shortcomings. And thank you, O Lord, for receiving us into your presence. Help us, O Lord, to continue to confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and to confess our sins before you that we might find forgiveness and grace and love. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.